0: Hey, how are you guys doing this morning? Awesome. Hey, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us as we're in this series called Uncovered. And, and hopefully we're going we're gonna to make it so that you don't want to walk away from relationships today and walk away and not have a great relationship. I believe that God has some incredible things in store for us if we'll learn exactly what he says about some of those things. And this is what I know about relationships. Relationships can be difficult. Anybody know that relationships can be difficult? Like it's hard out there finding the perfect someone, the perfect love of life. In fact, maybe maybe you're out there and you found someone and you're not sure if they're the one. Let me help you out. There's, there's some things going around on the internet. Maybe you've seen them uh, and maybe you're dating them right now. It's called the overly attached girlfriend. And so I, I found the overly attached girlfriend. You might know if you're in a bad relationship, if you see her and she goes, I see your car is in the driveway and your lights are on, why haven't you responded to my text yet? You know, that is probably not a good relationship. Or maybe she shows up and says, I deleted your Facebook and made us a joint account. That right there is bad news. I'm just going to tell you that anytime you become single account. Or, or this one, this, this is one of my favorites. You say restraining order, I say long distance relationship. <laughs> I don't care who you are. That's funny right there. i like to come on now. Then this, this last one is actually my favorite. Why do I need friends when I have you? Run. Okay, you hear that? Like, I don't care if that's a guy or a girl. Like, if they don't need friends and all they need is you, you got problems. And because we're an equal opportunity church, there is a, a like, a overly attached boyfriend. So we just thought we would throw him up too. And, and he says, it's been three weeks and I haven't met your parents yet. I need to ask your father a question. Yeah. Time to find a new God, ladies, and and so this is what I know is that um, looking for a spouse can be scary when you're out there looking for somebody, or or looking, you know, even at your spouse that you have right now, you're like that. That's them. Like it's scary, isn't it? Like relationships are scary, and it's easy to go and go like, who Who should I marry? Like, who is going to be the person that that can bring me comfort in life? Who is going to be the person that is going to be my soulmate? Who is going to be the person that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with? Who is going to be the person that's going to fulfill all the dreams of my life? Who is going to be that person? And and who is a normal question? It's, It's normal for us to ask who. And some of you guys are like, I already found who. And the who that I found, I don't think that that's the right who. And like, I need to get another one. But who is not the best question that we should be asking when it comes to relationships. I think a better question that we should be asking, instead of asking who is gonna be the person that's gonna fulfill all these things, we should be asking the question, why? Why am I seeking after a relationship? Why am I seeking after a marriage? Like, why do I need that? And I know culture is gonna tell us, well, the reason why you need that is because of of, like this, this idea of, love and this idea of romantic infatuation that's the reason why because when you fall in love it's all rainbows and butterflies and and like that's why you need it or you think it's like i need the jerry Maguire line i need somebody to complete me like that's why I need all of this and those are some reasons but I don't think that they're the best reason. And so today we're going to dive into God's word and we're going to look at some some different passages and and kind of determine like what are some better questions that we need to be asking? What are some things that we need to be doing in our lives if we're going to pull back the sheets a little bit and have the best possible relationship that we can. And this is going to talk to singles and to marrieds today so like take notes, get involved in it. And so we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 12, if you have your Bible in Genesis chapter 24. And so if you, if you guys want to go ahead and turn to Genesis 24, we're going to hang out there the majority of the time, but I'm going to start in Luke chapter 12 and kind of set the stage and then we'll jump there. And so what's happening in Luke chapter 12 is Jesus is addressing some people that are wondering about, like, are they going to have enough? Like, is there going to be enough in life to meet all of their needs. Like they are looking at their life and they're they're realizing, man, I only have like one set of clothes and so I'm wondering like, am I gonna have enough to, to take care of my family. Like they're not like us and have a closet full of clothes and they're looking at the food that they have and maybe they have like a meal or maybe a day's worth of food, not like us where we have pantries full of food that we've never eaten that's just sitting there that's indestructible because it lasts forever. And and so they're, they're asking them this question like, who's gonna meet all the needs that I have? Like who's gonna provide all these things? Like where is that stuff gonna come from? And so Jesus is addressing this and this is what he says In verse 29, he says, Don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your Father already knows your needs. Now, I just want you to let that sit for a moment. He's saying... Jesus is saying, listen, your heavenly father knows every single need that you have right now. That need that you have for companionship, God knows about that. That need that you have right now in your finances, like God knows exactly about that. The need that you have for married people that are struggling right now in your relationship, like God knows exactly what that need is. God knows what you need in your finances right now. God knows what you need. Single person wondering like why you're still single at this age. God knows exactly what that need is. And he's saying, listen, listen, like I know all of your needs. And that right there should take like this big weight off of our shoulders. It should be like this collective like sigh, like, ah, like you guys didn't sigh with me. What's up with that? Come on, give me a sigh, go, ah. Now don't fall asleep there. I know you're relaxed, but like, like we should, like God knows all of our needs. Like that is some good news for us. The question for us is, is do we believe that God knows all of our needs? And if God knows all of our needs, like, what does he want to do about those things? And so verse 31, it says this, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. He's saying, man, seek the kingdom of God before that hot guy. Seek the kingdom of God before that hot girl. Seek the kingdom of God before that relationship. Like, listen, if you seek God first, like, he is going to give you everything that you need. Notice he didn't say he's going to give you everything you want. Ladies, he's not going to give you Russell Crowe riding up on the white horse with the shirt off, bare chested, like, hey, ladies, what's up? Like, that's not going to happen. To me, all like that sucks. Like this, like church downer today. No, he's he's not going to give you what you want. He's going to give you what you need. Because like we would be like, oh God, man, I, I want that guy or I want that girl or I want this career or and I want I want to accomplish this and I want to do that. And if God let us have all of our wants, it would jack up our lives, wouldn't it? Think back to high school and that girl or that guy that you wanted, that you were like, God, please let me date them. Like, think about your life with them. Jacked up, isn't it? Like, they're like a hobo on the side of the road now and like hitchhiking around America. I don't, I'm just kidding. Like, there's nothing wrong with that if that's the, I, whatever. But like, maybe, like, maybe, I, unless that's what you want to, I don't, anyways, I'm gonna go back to this. i uh, just digging a hole here right now. Here's the challenge for us. We think we know what we want, but God knows exactly what we need. And we gotta trust him in the middle of that, that that God knows all of our needs. And, And so because he knows all of our needs, we need to seek him with everything that we have. With all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our, I mean, man, we need to seek after that. And as we do that, Man, he's going to take care of everything in our lives. And so we need to trust him in that. And Jesus is giving us this huge principle right here. He's going, man, see God as your first love, and he will guide you to true love. See God as your first love, like you're everything, and he will guide you to true love. And this principle is huge because we need to seek God first, but instead, what we do is we seek relationships first, and we do it from a very, very young age. In fact, I can remember back in i don 't know if it was kindergarten or first grade, uh, I was out on the playground uh, because that 's where I rolled, and so it is maybe recess and and so i 'm out there and i 'm on the swings, and you know as a young Young buck, stud like myself. You know, I'm impressing people on the swing. So you would swing, and you would jump off at the, the peak of it, right? Everybody's done that, right? Like, we've all jumped off the swings. Like, that's how, you, that's how you show manhood. You're like, what's up? Like, I just landed that jump. And like, ladies, come to me. You know, and so like, and so I'm doing that. I'm trying to be impressive. And I see these girls off at, at the monkey bars, and they're looking at me, and they're smiling. And I'm like, they're digging my chili. And so uh, I do... You guys, like, you guys don't make good chili? I don't know. Like, so, so I'm like, I do what every kid that age does. I write a note. Like, There's this one girl that in particular. Her name is Jenny. I wrote her note. Jenny, will you go out with me? Yes or no? Like, There was no maybe option in my day. Like, and so like, I sent that over to them. And the next day, one of her friends comes over. I'm like, so what's up? And, and she's like, read the note. And I, and I opened it up, and it said no. And I was like, I was devastated. Like, I've been in counseling for years after this. Like, rejection is a horrible thing. Some of y'all can feel me. You've gotten that more than once in that note. So uh, And so I'm like, I, I, I was like, I don't understand. Like, y'all were looking at me and pointing at me and smiling. Like, why? Like, what why wasn't, I, you know, like, what was the deal? And they're like, oh, your underwear was hanging out. And the sad thing about that is, is that if I was just born a little bit later in life, like, that would have been so cool. Like, I would have been slamming sagging. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's up, ladies? Oh, he's sagging. Yeah, babe. What's up? You know, like, but like, I missed out. I was the wrong generation. And so, uh, Heidi Whitey's did not pick up honeys in the day. (laughs) Still don't, apparently, somebody just said. So, uh. Uh, I found this note from from a guy that he wrote to Ashley. Check this out. He says, dear Ashley, would you please be my girlfriend? I like you a lot. Please put yes, no, or maybe. And she writes back, I'm sorry, I already have a boyfriend, Kyle. We pointed that out. But when we break up, you're my next choice. (laughs) P.S., that will probably be a month or two. Ashley is keeping her options open in life. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Girl, smart. Today, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 24. This is kind of an obscure story about relationships in the Bible. It's probably not used a lot of times in a relationship message, but uh, I, it, it really spoke to me this week. And, And let me kind of give you some background of what's happening. It's Abraham has gotten this incredible promise from God that he's going to be the father of many nations and after many, many years, he's finally had a son named Isaac. And, and Isaac is coming to that age where he needs a wife. But yet, Abraham has moved far away from his home country. And so he's he's got this promise from God, but none of the women around there are suitable for his son. Because back in the day, they didn't do love marriages like we do, where we choose somebody based on our love, we choose them. They did arranged marriages. And so he's looking around for a potential spouse for his, his son Isaac, and sees no one and says, you know what? In order to fulfill the promise that God has for my son. I need somebody from our heritage, from our lineage. And so he looks at his servant and says, listen, I need you to travel back to our hometown. And I need you to find somebody that is suitable for Isaac. I need somebody that has character. I need somebody that has morals. I need somebody that has values, that has the same belief system, the same heritage, the same bloodlines as we do. So we can see the promises of God lived out in our lives. And so he sends this this servant on a journey to find a spouse for his son, Isaac. And so this servant has journeyed thousands of miles or hundreds of miles. I don't know how far it was. It was a waste. And so we pick it up in Genesis chapter 24, verse 12. And it says, "O Lord, God of my master, Abraham, please give me success today and show unfailing love to my master, Abraham. See, I am standing here besides this spring and the young women of the town are coming out to draw water. This is my request. I will ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. If she says, yes, have a drink, I will water your camels too. Let her be the one you have selected as Isaac's wife. This is how I will know that you have shown unfailing love to my master. Now, we read this, and this is like one of those stories in the Bible that I read, and I'm just like, God. Seriously, Like, that's what you're going to tell people. And I know some of you guys, you're going to take this and you're going to go, I have figured out how I'm going to get a spouse right here. I'm heading over to Starbucks right after t- service today. I'm going to order a coffee and I'm going to go to the end of the counter and I'm going to sit down. And the first girl that walks in that orders a skinny vanilla latte with whipped cream on it, venti, like, is going to be the one. Like, like that's, what this, that's what this guy did. I'm, I'm Jesus, I'm putting it on you right now. And so, like, the first... There's some people coming through. Nobody's ordered a skinny vanilla latte, venti with whip. And finally, like some girl comes up and orders that, and you're like, "No, God, that's not the one." <laughs> maybe the second one, God. Maybe maybe you missed what what I was looking for. And so a couple more people, another one comes. No, that third time's a charm. And like finally, you just like, God, this isn't working. It's not working. Or maybe you're a lady out there and you're like, man, I need a beefcake and I need a pizza. And so you call up Domino's and you're like, God, let the Domino's delivery dude be the man of my dreams. And so when he arrives, you open the door, what's up? No, never mind. And like... Probably not the best way to find a spouse, even though that's kind of what this story is saying. That, that's not the heart of the story. So don't like fleece God out there and put it out like bring the next of uh, the next 17 guys that walk through. 18 is going to be Mr. Wonderful. He's probably not. Okay, don't put that much pressure on yourself or God. Um, what the servant is in essence doing here and what we're seeing in this story is we're seeing this servant is, is putting a couple things in, that are important in perspective. He's saying, like, man, what he's doing is he's praying, first of all. He's saying, man, I'm going to seek God for the answer to this question in life. He's he's like, man, I need a spouse for my master son. Like, I need to seek after God. I'm gonna pray to God. I'm gonna talk to God. And then I'm gonna put myself in the right place to find a potential mate. And this is so important. Like, he doesn't go someplace where the people aren't gonna be there. He knows exactly where women are gonna be at that time of the day. In his master's hometown, around noontime, women would go to water their animals because that's when the well would be available to them. And so he plops himself down in the right place to find a potential spouse for his master son. And so sometimes we got to put ourselves in the right places in order to find the right person. And so single people, this is important for you because a lot of you think like, well, I'm not finding the right person. Like, are you putting yourself in the right places to find the right potential person? Because the right place is going to determine a lot of the, the potential that you're going to find in life. And so, like, there's nothing wrong with being single. I know some of you single people think, like, there's something wrong with me. That's the reason I'm single. No. Like, being single is a God's gift. Like, I'm just going to tell you that right now. Being single, you are so much better off in life than being married. Ask married people. We have problems, okay? Like, you think singleness is a problem. No. Being married to the wrong person is a problem. Being single is a gift. In fact, the Bible tells us that. It says like take advantage of that opportunity time because you're not having to draw your attention to all these other things besides Jesus. So it's not like some curse. It's actually a gift to you. Take advantage of it and love God with everything you have in that time. Seek him first and put yourself in the right place. And so I think that there's some good places that you can put yourself into. I think church is a great place to position yourself, to find somebody that is marryable in life. Like I think there's people here that have the same values, a lot of the same morals, a lot of the same characteristics that you're probably looking for. Going out and getting involved in community organizations, great place to find somebody that has the same kind of potential marriable attributes that maybe you're looking for in life. Um, Today is a great opportunity for you to get involved in connect groups. Connect groups are a great way to find a potential marriable person. Um, Another place is serving. Like I think serving is one of the best places you can find a potential marriable person because what you'll be doing is you'll be going after God, doing something that you love to help other people and you look over and you go, hey, what's up? And they look over and they go, hey, what's up? And all of a sudden you have a connection with one another and you're going towards the same things to find somebody that is the right person for your life. As you're seeking after things that are important, to you and to God, and you look over and you find that person. A place where you probably are not going to find a potential marriable spouse is 2.30 a.m. at the club, okay? Like, I understand, like, you're like-minded in that you're there to blow off some steam. You're like, you know, you're like to the base. like, you're just like bumping it. And, And like, you look over and you're like, hey, that girl is hot and she's drunk, you know, like, or check out that dude, man. That dude looks cool. Is he smoking a doobie in the corner? Like, those are not the potential spouses you probably want to bring home to mom. Probably not. And I know some of y'all are like, well, I found my man in the club. Good for you. Miracles do happen, okay? But for the majority of us, we have a better chance of winning the lottery than finding a potential spouse there, okay? So we need to set ourselves up and... and if you don't think that's true, like, think about it like this. When you have kids, do you want your daughter finding her husband smoking a doobie in the corner of the club at 2.30 a.m.? No, that's not the person you want. There. Like, <laughs> mom, mom just threw down right there. So, uh, um, no, that's not, not where you want to find them. And so sometimes you just got to step back and realize that you can position yourself in the right place so that you can find the right person. Now, I want to say this, as for those of you that, that are followers of Jesus, and I realize that some of you guys in here are not followers of Jesus, and that's okay. But for those of us that are followers of Jesus, like Jesus needs to be the first thing in our lives. Like it needs to be the number one relationship in our entire lives. It needs to be the thing that we're seeking above all else. And here's the deal with that. The person that you're eventually going to marry or that you're marrying should be somebody that holds Jesus in that same position in their life. Because, why would you want to marry somebody that doesn't have the same value as the most important person in your life is Jesus and is not the most important person in their life? That does not make any sense at all. Doesn't make any sense at all. And I realize that some of y'all have already made that choice and, and like, man, you just got to stick with that. And God says, man, you love them anyways. But for those of you that are still single or maybe you're in a relationship but you're not committed with a ring on it yet, like, you still have options. Don't just settle. Like, wait for God's best. Seek him out. In fact, I had a friend a few years ago that was going to the church that I was one of the pastors at. And I hadn't seen him in a while. And and he showed up. We, we grabbed some coffee. And we were talking. And he was like, TJ, man, I'm so in love with this girl. I'm like, dude, that's awesome. He's like, I think I'm going to marry her. I was like, sweet. Have I met her? He's like, no, no. I, I was like, does she know that you love God? And he's like, well, it, kind of maybe, I don't know. I was like, have you brought her to church? He's like, no, we like drove by it and I pointed at it. And, uh, and I'm like, why, why would you go and marry somebody that doesn't even know about the most important relationship in your life? You might not think that that's right, really important right now because you're just in love. But in five to seven years when love is gone and you got person left and you're, trying to decide how you're going to raise your kids and what values they're going to have, these things are going to become very, very important in your life. And so we need to seek first the kingdom of God. We need to seek first God and he will give us everything that we need in life. And we got to remember that another human being is never going to be everything we need in life. So many times we're putting so much pressure on a relationship to be our everything and our all in all, and we're putting pressure on a relationship to be something that it was never intended to be. The only thing that was intended to be our all in all was our creator, Jesus Christ. And so anytime we put pressure on another person to do that, they're always going to fall short, and that's exactly why we have to continually seek God as our first love, and he will continuously lead us to true love, because that's where love comes from. So we have to seek him first. But here's another challenge for us. We have to seek character. As I was studying this week, uh, I, I was looking at Match.com and some of the things that they, they came up with, factors for determining uh, dateability of somebody that when people are looking for a potential date, these are the four factors that they're looking for. Number one, teeth. Like, how's your grill? If your grill is jacked up, good luck. That's all I gotta say. Number two, Grammar. How do you spell? How do you punctuate? Like somebody's already praising Jesus out there. Like they're like, marry, like sign me up right now. Number three, this, I like this one, hair. Hair. Like I'm screwed. Like I got no chance. That's why I got married early. Going bald. Number four, clothes. What do you dress? How you looking? Are you fly or are you not? Like those are the four factors that people are determining relationships based on. Um, the problem with is, is like your teeth are going to fall out, your hair is going to fall out, your clothes are going to get old. Like if you have good punctuation, you are set, okay? Like you got some hope in life. Like, but all those are superficial factors, aren't they? Superficial. Check out the rest of the story, Genesis 24, verses 17 through 20. It says, the servant was running over to her, and the servant said, please give me a drink of water from your jug. Yes, my Lord, she answered, have a drink. And she quickly lowered her jug from her shoulder and gave him a drink. When she had given him a drink, he said, I'll draw water for your camels too, until they have had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jug into the watering trowel and ran back to the well to draw water for all of his camels. When we read that story, we're like, oh, man, she got some, she got some water, big deal. Like you got to understand, like what this meant. This guy was traveling in a caravan, hundreds of miles to get to this place. Like the, scholars estimate, he had somewhere between ten and twelve camels that he would have brought on this trip. And I don't know if you know much about camels. but I learned a lot this week. Do you know that camels like consume like twenty five gallons of water each? Like that's a lot of water. That's a lot of those like five gallon jugs from like uh, BJ's that you can pick up. Like just carrying those around. Not only that, but so you have 10 of those. You got like 250 gallons of water. And so this girl goes, you know what, I'll I'll water them all. And so you got to understand a well would have had somewhere between 10 and 15 steps down to get to the well. She would have had to lower the jugs, raise them back up, grab them, run up steps, dump them into this, this trough for these these. Camels to get water and then run back down. She's probably carrying gallon jugs. So we're talking like two gallons at a time. Like she is like hardcore CrossFit before CrossFit was CrossFit. You know what I'm saying? Like stair climber with weights. We're talking like two or three hours of hard, intense labor. I mean, that's a lot of work. We're talking a hundred and something trips up and down stairs. See, this guy was wasn't just looking for somebody that would do some labor. He was looking for somebody that had some character. He was looking to see is like what what's up with the person that's gonna be my spouse's or my my master's son's spouse? Like, are they going to be generous? See, the culturally acceptable thing would have been for her to give him some water and maybe grab like a gallon for each camel. But she went above and beyond. She was generous. She wasn't wasn't afraid of hard work. Like, That was a lot of work that she was doing that she was willing to do. She was willing to get her hands dirty. She was willing to break a nail, ladies. Like, the manicure wasn't looking real good at that point. She was willing to finish what she started, which meant like, man, she had some follow through in her life, she didn't have a princess mentality. And the reality of this story is, is this servant with his servants would have all been kicking back with their feet up, just sipping some water, watching this girl sweat going up and down this, these stairs. Like, and some of y'all are like, that's exactly how men are, right there. That's, that's what they do. They just sit around while women do all the work. But this guy wasn't just putting her to a task. He was testing to see if she had character. Because character is what's gonna last when all the cosmetics fade in life. When all the superficial things are gone, the thing that is gonna stand the test of time when, when romantic infatuation has passed is the character of the person because what happens right now is we get overwhelmed with romantic infatuation. In fact, science has shown that, that romantic infatuation lasts anywhere from 18 to 24 months and it is literally a chemical imbalance inside of a person. Like, they are jacked up chemically inside of themselves. And so we know this is true because when somebody is in love, like, they don't see any faults in that person. They don't see any problems in that person. They don't see any of the, of the downfalls that could potentially be in that relationship. Like, all they see is that person is perfect, don't they? You remember when you were in love and your spouse was perfect? Now you're married for five years and you're like, they're the worst person in the world. Like, you I'm just kidding. They're not second maybe to Satan. But, like, I'm just why I should stick to my notes and so um, no but we we like all of a sudden like we're in like this bliss of like everything's perfect and then like reality sets in at some point parents maybe you know this maybe you have some kids and 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 they come home and they're like I'm in love and they're like they're so perfect and the the parents like no he's a crackhead they're like no he's just got a little bit of an addiction problem it's okay you know like Gary Thomas actually said this. He said, uh, romantic infatuation makes women develop romantic feelings for dominant men. No problem there except for the fact that dominant men are less likely to develop into the kind of husbands that can relate well to a woman and build a life of intimacy together. So if a woman just follows her feelings, she is likely to fall for a man who will thrill her as a boyfriend for 18 months and frustrate her as a husband for 18 years. Some of you are like, get out of my marriage right now. This is what he says about men. He said, men are proven to be driven largely by physical appearance, yet physical appearance is the first thing that fades in human development. I I found this to be true. Check Check out this girl. Her name is Barbie. Like, she's gonna age. It happens to the best of us. Happens to us all. And so instead of looking at, like, dominance and, 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 you know, physical things, what we need to look for is we need to start asking ourselves the character things. Like, how do they treat people? Like, how do they treat their mom or their dad? Like, how do they interact with their siblings? How do they treat the server at the restaurant when they get their food order wrong? Because how they treat other people is eventually how they'll treat you. And so we need to start asking ourselves, like, what, what, are, what are questions we should be asking? We should be saying to ourselves, like, uh, how, how are they at their job? Are they committed at their job? Do they, do they go to work every single day? Have they, or do they switch jobs every three weeks? Like, how are they at following through on, on commitments? Like, when they say something, do they actually do it? Or is it just like another good suggestion in their life? Like what, what, is, what is their regard when it comes to marriage? Do they hold marriage in high regard? Or are they just about playing in the field? Like what are some of those things that we need to be asking? Do they think that the world revolves around them? Because if they think the world revolves around them, they're going to expect you to revolve around them. And so we need to seek character above all those, all those things because those things are going to determine Who you're going to end up with at the end of the day. And who you're going to end up with at the end of the day is the character that's within them right now in that process of the infatuation stage. Where we don't see those things. And so we need to seek character no matter what right now. And we need to allow God to be the first love in our lives so that we can keep our eyes focused on him. Now I know some of you guys are like, TJ, that's awesome. Like, I appreciate that help, but I'm already married. Like, I already am past the romantic infatuation stage. Like, I'm, I'm already way beyond that, and we got issues, and we got problems, and we're not running through the fields to the sound of music anymore. Like, we're running through the fields to the sound of Metallica. And it's like, and like, we're just trying to run away. Like, and I just want them to change. Like, I want them to get fixed. And, and let me just tell you something. You can't change anybody else besides yourself. And so what you need to do is you need to stop trying to change them or convince them or nag them or influence them or, or go and belittle them into changing. And you need to turn to God and you need to say, God, what are the things in my life? What are the character areas in my life that I'm not seeing that I need to change? God, change me. Help me to see the good in that person. Help me to see the positive things. God, help me to see the areas where I need to grow. And as God starts changing your life, what's going to change their life is the love that you display in your life, not the nagging that you give them. That's good right there. I'm going to amen myself. I needed to hear that. So, um. We've got to seek God first as our first love, and he'll guide us the true love. We've got to seek character. More than that, we've got to seek commitment. We've got to seek commitment. What happens in this story, and we'll continue reading here in a second, but the servant, after this girl that does all this, her name is Rebecca, she, she does all this, and the servant's like, take me to your home. And they go to the home, and, and the servant lays out to Rebecca's family, like, I want to bring her back to be my master's husband and, and so um, they pay the fees or whatever happened in that day for that. And they start to venture back on this journey. And as they're arriving into the land that Abraham is now overseeing, um, this is what happens in verse 64. It says, When Rebekah looked up and saw Isaac, she quickly dismounted from her camel. Who is the man walking through the fields to meet us? She asked the servant. And he replied, It is my master. So Rebekah covered her face with her veil then the servant told Isaac everything that he had done. And Isaac brought Rebekah into his mother Sarah's tent, and she became his wife. This is how they did it back then. I mean, it was uh, it's a little bit different. It was, it was an arranged marriage. They had never seen each other. They had never met each other. They didn't have all this romantic infatuation. And and at times, we're like, that's that's just crazy. But at times, I'm like, man, maybe sometimes that's better because we think love is a feeling so many of the times. And love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. We choose to love even when we don't feel like it because love is action. It's doing something in life. And maybe they were a little bit onto something in that, in the fact that they were saying, like, you know what? No matter what happens here, I'm going to choose to love this person. And the next verse says that they went and they loved each other. And uh, Rebecca was a special comfort to Isaac when his mother died. And they lived happily ever after the end. Not exactly. And made a choice. They made this commitment to say, like, I'm going to love no matter what. So imagine you're Rebecca, you've just been taken hundreds of miles from your culture, from your land, from everything you've known. You're put into a brand new place and all of a sudden there's these expectations on you in their culture right away to have children. And Rebecca struggles with infertility. And so man, there's, there's, this, there's this kind of the elephant in the room in the relationship, like you're not providing this, this promise that God said he would bring of you're gonna be the father of many nations because you're barren right now. And eventually Rebecca gets pregnant and Rebecca eventually, she has twins and the twin boys, there's all kinds of tension between them and, and, and all of a sudden in their land, there's famine and so they need to flee their land to go find resources to provide for the family. And as they're on their way, they go to Egypt and, and God tells them not to go to Egypt, but they go anyways. And, and when they get there, Rebecca ends up having an affair with a guy named Abimelech. And all of a sudden, there's tension in the relationship between uh, Rebecca and Isaac, and and their kids are growing up, and their kids are fighting amongst one another, and, and Rebecca really favors one son named Jacob, and the, and and Isaac favors another son named Esau, and Esau is kind of rebellious, and so he goes and marries like the the bad girl that he's not supposed to marry. That just causes some more tension in the relationship. At this time, parents are starting to die, and so they're dealing with that conflict. And th- then all of a sudden, Rebecca helps Jacob lie and cheat and steal a birthright from Esau and now Esau wants to kill his brother and they're dealing with all that his brother runs away and all of this tension is going on in their in their relationship like and I read through this story and I go that's marriage today right now in America see so many times we read this book and we think like this isn't this isn't real or this isn't relevant bullcrap like this is real and this is relevant because it's dealing with the same things that we're dealing with right now in life. And what I want you to hear out of this story isn't, isn't that they made mistakes and they lied and they cheated. It, what I want you to hear is that they stayed committed. Because this is what I know, that no matter what's up, any relationship that you have, at some point, you are gonna disappoint the other person the other point, person is gonna disappoint you. But the decision is, is what are you gonna do with that disappointment? Are you gonna give up on it and run away? Throw in the towel? Are you gonna say, man, I'm gonna work through this and I'm gonna stay committed to it? I asked Shayla recently, I was, uh, as I was preparing for this, I was preparing a couple months ago, and, and I thought, man, I, like, I have a pretty awesome marriage. I'm I'm an awesome husband. Like, these are all things that are going through my mind. And so, like, I'm just expressing them out loud. So, you know, don't. Uh, and so I, I looked at Shayla, and we we're sitting on our couch, and, and I go, have I disappointed you lately? Thinking for sure that, like, like she's going to, if there was something like she's going to struggle to come up with it, you know, cause I'm super husband. And uh, right away she's like, yeah. I'm like, really? And, like, I was like, that was kind of fast. that hurt my feelings. And she goes, yeah, you did this and you did that and you did this and you did that. And she lists off like five or six things. I was like, have you been just like queuing those up, just waiting for me to like ask a question? And as I started thinking about all those things, I was like, yeah, I did do that. Yeah, I did say that. Uh, I did that, and I meant that. And uh, (laughs) I I could see why you're a little frustrated, babe. Remember the scripture in Colossians 3.13 that says, man, we have to make allowances for one another. Paul's writing this to the church, and he's saying, listen, man, people are going to disappoint you, but how are you making allowances for them? Specifically in in relationships, you know, so many times we're putting so much stuff into that relationship that we're not making any allowances in the relationship. I related a lot to uh, like six years ago, Shayla and I went on vacation to New York and um, we'd saved up some money. It was like kind of our dream vacation. She had never been to New York and so I wanted to take her there. Had money for her to go shopping. My wife's love language is shopping. It's like the sixth love language. It's not in the book. And so, if you read the book, it's not in there. But if you talk to me, I'll tell you about it. And so, she's packing her bag. And so, she gets the biggest suitcase she can find. And then she goes and she gets the second biggest suitcase she can find and puts the second biggest one inside the first big one. And then she packs all around the big one inside of it. She doesn't put anything inside that suitcase. Because she was making room for what was going to happen later on in our vacation. Like she knew she was going to have some things happen on that. But she was going to get some shoes. Shoes take up a lot of space, ladies. You know. Like you, and if you stuff stuff in boots and stuff, it takes up more space. So she, like, we've learned to roll clothes, roll clothes. They um, and so she made these allowances. A lot of times in relationships, we need to be making allowances. Not saying like, hey, you can abuse me and beat me up and all those things. But we need to understand that like, there are going to be disappointments there. And if we make allowances, then we have room for those things within us. And we can work through those things. We can work through the baggage. We can work through the hurt. We can work through the pain. And we can stay committed no matter what. This is what I know. No matter where we are in a relation, whether we're single, whether we're married, whether we're divorced, whether we're getting remarried, we all need to make some allowances when it comes to relationships. And maybe the the allowance you need to make here today is, is the allowance of putting Jesus first in your life. Maybe you've never allowed him into that position. You've never made Jesus seeking him first as your first love, a priority. Maybe today's the day that you needed to do that. Maybe for some of you, it needs to stop seeking the guy with the good looks or the girl with the good looks and start the, seeking the guy or the girl with the character that's gonna sustain you for the long run. Maybe for some of us married people, it's ready to throw in the towel and maybe today is the day that we need to say, you know what, I'm not gonna give up because I don't feel loved right now. I'm gonna commit and I'm gonna give love in this situation let's pray here today Father God we just come before you this is what I know is that man all of us have struggles in relationships I don't care who we are in this place we all struggle because the reality is is that relationships are hard it's two separate people with two ideals, two values two different paths two different upbringings trying to make a life work together and that takes some work It takes some allowances. But maybe here today you haven't allowed Jesus to take that first place in your life, to become your first love, and and you realize that maybe that's a decision that you need to make today, and that's a a pretty easy decision for you to make. And it starts with you talking to God. And talking to God is really simple. It's you saying, man, God, I, I recognize that 2,000 years ago, you sent your son to die on a cross for my sin and my pain and my shame and my brokenness. And, and what sin and shame and all those things are is, is all of our screw ups, all of our mess ups. It's our need and the fact that we can't get right by ourselves. And some of us know that because we've been trying to change our lives forever and we can't do it. Well, God sent his son to do that for us. And so he took all of that on a cross. And he was put to death, and then three days later, he rose again, taking all of that stuff away, and all we have to do is accept him as our Lord and Savior today. and say, "Jesus, I want you to come into my life. Forgive me of all of those things. I want to not just make you my savior, but I want to make you my Lord, which means I want you in first place." God, I know that there's some people that need to make that decision today. And I just pray that as they pray that in their heart, God, that you would start to do something in their life. God, and for the rest of us, I pray that we would seek you first. And we would seek after people that have the values and the character that we're seeking after. But more than that, that we would be committed. Committed to you first and to our relationship second. God, and you would do an amazing work inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen.